This episode is brought to you by the Roster Up Media Network, home to tangible insights for the NFL and fantasy sports. Check us out at rosterupmedia.com. Hey, what is going on, football fans, Ravens fans, NFL draft fans? Hope everyone out there has been enjoying the draft over the past two nights. Welcome to the Raven Up podcast, a Baltimore Ravens podcast here, found on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the Raven Up podcast is powered by the Roster Up Media Network, which has just been absolutely crushing the NFL draft coverage over the past two nights. The Ravens, they've been busy. We knew they would be busy in this draft, but the trade of a certain wide receiver made them even busier. Loaded them up with another first-round pick. Two straight years with two first-round picks, which is just crazy to think about uh, for the Ravens. But they've been busy. I've been surprised by some of their moves, and I haven't been surprised by some of their moves. So we're going to break it all down. Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Lindenbaum, David Ojabo, Travis Jones, Marquise Brown. It's been a busy 24 hours, really. We're going to break it all down here on the Raven Up podcast. Let's get right into it. The Ravens came into the first round of the draft, sitting at pick number 14. They had a handful of needs. Cornerback and edge rusher were the top two needs, I would say, as we talked about on our previous episode, with some additional needs on the offensive line, middle linebacker, maybe tight end, but the top pressing needs, in my opinion, obviously, cornerback and edge rusher. So what did the Ravens do with pick 14 with Jermaine Johnson on the board? Jordan Davis was a popular mock player to the Ravens in tons of drafts here in the last week or so. And the Eagles actually jump ahead of the Ravens to take Jordan Davis. I came into the night thinking he would be the pick. I thought Jermaine Johnson was actually going to go earlier. And so I was all on board with Jermaine Johnson thinking the Ravens needed an edge rusher, but the Eagles jump up. They take Jordan Davis and who do the Ravens take at 14? Kyle Hamilton, a safety out of Notre Dame. And you might be thinking safety. Ravens just signed Marcus Williams to a five-year, $70 million contract. They have Chuck Clark, who is a several-year starter now and is still under contract for another year or two, I believe. Why are the Ravens taking a safety? Well, they're taking a safety because the Ravens draft the best player available, regardless of position. Oftentimes, they take the best uh, best player available. It just kind of lines up that it's also a position of need. This year, safety wasn't really a huge need, but Kyle Hamilton is a true uh, unicorn, you could even call him. He is very versatile. He is a rangy safety. He has great size. He's six foot four, 220 pounds, and just has absolutely uh, dominant physical traits. Great combination of size and speed. He was considered a top pick at the start of this draft process. Uh, then he ran a slow 40, had, didn't have the best combine showing, and started falling. Also, for whatever reason, safety just isn't considered a top positional value in the first round, I would say. But early on in this process, Kyle Hamilton was considered a generational player. So when the Ravens have the opportunity to take him there at 14, that's what they do. So I kind of had this day one theme. I was surprised, but not surprised. I was a little bit surprised because, yeah, safety, not really the a huge need for the Ravens, but not surprising because he's a dominant player and he's going to be really good in the NFL for a long time, I think. So is that surprising really that the Ravens take him? No, not at all. So in terms of fit with the Ravens, as I was saying, um, 
Safety, it's an interesting position in the NFL right now because as passing offenses are really starting to take off and just become so explosive over the past few seasons, um, the safety position is getting uh, some more, uh, getting more important. They're seeing more value there. Contracts are starting to uh, increase, um, not as much as other positions, but I think teams are realizing that, hey, stopping the pass is really, really important. I talked about this on a previous episode, but I think the days of having two traditional safeties on the field, a free safety kind of playing center field, and then a strong safety closer to the line of scrimmage, I think those days are nearly gone. Many teams in the NFL are playing with a too high safety look, so three safeties on the field at the same time is going to be pretty common, I think, going forward here. I see Marcus Williams kind of playing that center fielder role. Also, I see Kyle Hamilton playing uh, the both of those guys playing two high safety looks, which allows Mike McDonald to drop Chuck Clark down closer to the line of scrimmage. But really, Mike McDonald, he's going to use Kyle Hamilton all over the field. He's going to mix and match and choose how he wants to use them. He can cover tight ends, maybe line up in the slot against bigger wide receivers, play deep safety, play near the line of scrimmage. Kyle Hamilton is going to do it all. Chuck Clark is going to do it all. And Marcus Williams is going to do a lot of that. So um, I like this pick. I yeah, like I said earlier, I think if you look at mock drafts back from about two months ago, you saw Kyle Hamilton going top eight, I would say. And uh, even earlier, times top five pick. I think Jeremiah, uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him as the, like a top five ranked overall prospect in the draft this year. So he's just a stud. Um, I will be interested to see how this affects Brandon Stevens. As of this point, I'm recording this uh, Friday night. The Ravens have not drafted a cornerback. So do maybe do they see Brandon Stevens kind of playing more in that cornerback role? He played some safety last year, but I think having four safeties that are really athletic, versatile, Chuck Clark, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, and Brandon Stevens on the field is going to be uh, really beneficial for the Ravens. So was a little bit surprised, as I said, but hey, not all that surprising when Kyle Hamilton was the best player on the board, and that's what the Ravens do. Uh, next pick, let's get into Tyler Lindenbaum. A little surprising again because he was the guy who was mocked very early on to the Ravens. The Ravens have this needed center after not signing uh, Bradley Bozeman. Patrick McCarry um, was kind of looked at as a starting center, but I think you could just kind of see that the Ravens weren't fully invested or fully sold on him. Um, so, like I said, Lindenbaum was mocked to the Ravens early on, and then people kind of started realizing, oh, he's not really the typical Ravens center. You know, the Ravens like these big, beefy guys, and they don't really use a lot of uh, top resources on center or, you know, top draft picks. So they don't really, they don't really see Lindenbaum going first round, and definitely not at 14, but when the Ravens added that first round pick, which we will touch on shortly, 25 was the perfect spot to take Tyler Lindenbaum. The guy, again, just like Kyle Hamilton, is the top player at his position, was kind of viewed as this generational prospect. And I heard this a couple of different places, but people were saying that if he was, you know, an inch you know, two inches taller. And if he had longer arms, you know, by another inch or two, he would have been a lock to go top 10, if not top five. So great pick for the Ravens. They need to solidify their offensive line. I tweeted this out earlier. The Ravens last year said, you know, they really wanted to improve their offensive line. Well, this is the year they actually did it. Let's all hope that Ronnie Stanley comes back healthy, but at left guard, you kind of have this positional battle between Ben Cleveland, Tyree Phillips, maybe even Patrick McCarry over there at left guard. 
Uh, and then you have uh, Lindenbaum at center, Kevin Zeitler at right guard, and then uh, Morgan Moses at right tackle. Now that is a pretty good offensive line right there. That's actually going and improving the offensive line. So they're going to open up holes in the running game. They're going to protect Lamar. And some people might not uh, feel super confident about the fit, you know, in terms of scheme. He played in a lot of uh, zone in college at Iowa, the Ravens are more of a gap system, so um, they're going to have to kind of figure that out. I can kind of see maybe Greg Roman changing um, more of the structure of the offense, but hey, the Ravens, they, they've run just about every sort of uh, scheme you could find, so I'm not too worried about that. I think he'll just fit in fine. And yeah, it's he's a generational talent, possibly like a Jason Kelsey sort of clone, more of like the undersized but really athletic uh, center. He was super uh, involved. He played like six different high school sports. He was a wrestler. There's always that clip of him uh, pinning Tristan Worfs, which goes viral every time uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, he's super athletic. And for me, it's, it's a no-brainer. Why not? At the very least, you're going to get five years of above-average play at center, and best case scenario, you're looking at a perennial pro bowler slash all pro for the next five years to have your offensive line be built around. I think the Ravens have started four different centers over the last four years. So having some consistency there, I think, is a good idea. Last but not least, to recap day one, we got to talk about Hollywood Brown. Right after the Ravens took uh, Kyle Hamilton, news breaks that the Ravens are trading Hollywood Brown to the Arizona Cardinals for the Cardinals' first-round pick at 23. And again, I didn't see it coming, but then more when I thought about it, I wasn't all that surprised. All offseason, I've seen all these videos of Lamar and Rashad Bateman working out together, and Hollywood was nowhere to be found, which is kind of weird because obviously... Lamar and Hollywood are boys. They've always worked out together. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, why is Hollywood not working out with them? Well, I think we now know why, and it's since come out that Hollywood requested a trade at the end of the season, and the Ravens give him credit, give Hollywood credit. They kept everything quiet, and no, nothing leaked out until the night of the draft that he was getting traded. So, Again, not a huge surprise when you think about it. He is due probably around $20 million next year playing on his fifth-year option. Is he worth $20 million? You know, I don't know if he is. I, I've always been a Hollywood defender. I like Hollywood. I hope he has great success out in Arizona with his former college quarterback, Kyler Murray, throwing him the ball. But, um, yeah, he, he struggled with injuries at times. He struggled with drops at times. He did go over 1,000 yards last year. He got off to a really hot start in the first, like, seven, eight games where it was just fun to watch him really stretch the field. It seemed like him and Lamar finally had that good downfield connection that we hadn't really seen the past two years consistently. And then he kind of struggled to end the season. Lamar obviously gets hurt. Then he's dealing with Tyler Hundley and uh, Josh Johnson, a quarterback, was actually, um, you know, obviously that made him things difficult for Hollywood. But, now it's Rashad Bateman season, and Mark Andrews obviously tight end one in football last year. So you have two solid weapons there in Andrews and Bateman. And then we're going to see what Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, Tylen Wallace can do. We'll see if the Ravens add one more receiver, if not two receivers, for the rest of the draft. I would be in favor of them adding one mid-round receiver and then maybe sign a veteran. Um, Odo Beckham's out there. Don't necessarily know if I'm in fully on board with that but that was just the first name that popped in my mind but there are other receivers out there so i can see the ravens adding a veteran and then also mixing in a you know a mid-round draft pick but 
that was a big one. All of a sudden, it's like, man, Hollywood's gone. Oh, man, the Ravens got the 23rd pick. They ended up trading it back to 25th. They picked up an additional fourth round. As of right now, they have six fourth round picks. So, yeah, night one was crazy, but big fan of Kyle Hamilton, big fan of Tyler Lindenbaum. Uh, must, I, I'm not a big fan of the trading your number one wide receiver, but we're going to see how they replace him over the course of the next couple of days and as they build out their roster leading up to week one of the regular season. So that's our day one recap. Let's get into day two. Day two of the draft kicked back off Friday night. It's actually Friday night right now. It's past 11 o'clock as I am recording this. So if I sound like I'm a little tired, yeah, it's past 11 o'clock and I am tired. But we're going to keep this energy high. We're going to recap rounds two and three for the Ravens. As I just talked about in round one, night one, the Ravens kind of had this, you know, surprising but not surprising sort of theme. They took some players at positions maybe not of need, but it's not surprising because they take the best player available. So the Ravens in day two, they found some really good value in rounds two and three. Let's start with David Ojabo, uh, defensive end edge rusher out of Michigan at pick 45. Really unique player here. He grew up in Nigeria, and then he, uh, or he was born in Nigeria. Then he grew up in Scotland before moving to the United States, and then he went to high school with Odafe Owe, and it was Odafe who actually inspired him to start playing football. So, didn't start playing football to a later age. Was pretty raw, and then really broke out with Michigan last year. He had 11 sacks under Mike McDonald, who really kind of unlocked his potential. And hey, if anyone knows how to use him, it's going to be Mike McDonald. So he was on that absolutely dominant defensive line in Michigan with Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. He was a situational pass rusher, really. He wasn't a three-down player last year uh, with Michigan. He's still a little bit raw, figuring out how to play the run, but he was another guy who was mocked to the Ravens really early on, and then he tore his Achilles during his pro day in March, so not exactly sure if he even plays this year. I'm hopeful he's going to be on that Cam Akers recovery timeline. Maybe we see him in November, December, as the Ravens are making a playoff push or trying to win the division. Uh, kind of tough drafting a player who you know might you know have a redshirt year, but Ojabo is super talented. He's very similar to Odafe in just the sense of just great physical traits, great skills, and those two paired together could be a very scary edge-rushing duo for years to come on the Ravens' defense. So um, I think this means the Ravens probably sign uh, Justin Houston's sort of uh, veteran edge rusher to help in the short-term future, but long-term, I love this pick. The Ravens are building a really athletic and really versatile defense between Owe and Ojabo, Tyus Bowser, Patrick Queen, Kyle Hamilton, Brandon Stevens. They're just filling their defenses, filling their defense with guys who can uh, move all around the field, play in different roles, and really just athletic and a lot of speed on that defense. So great value here. Do need to add a veteran to help this year, but hey, that could be a dangerous, dangerous duo for the years to come. Odafe away and David Ojabo. Then let's go to the third round real quick here. The Ravens took Travis Jones, defensive tackle from UConn with pick number 76, and he's a guy I saw. The Athletic had him ranked as the 34th overall uh, prospect. Chris Sims tweeted out just Ravens get a big bad dude for that defensive line. He was his number three defensive tackle. Round one talent goes in round three. Ravens just continue to steal the biggest baddest dudes on the planet. So couldn't agree more. He's six foot four, 325 pounds. He ran a four nine two forty. So very athletic for a guy his size. He had four and a half sacks last year in 11 games. So 
He's someone who can uh, be just a disruptive defensive lineman. He's going to stop the run. He's going to collapse the pocket. And I'm envisioning for years and years to come, him collapsing the pocket, having Odafe away and David Ojaba coming off the edge. And that's a pretty disruptive defensive line. So pair him in there with uh, Michael Pierce, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. He won't have to play tons of, you know, an uh, every down player right away he can come in the Ravens can pick and choose he can learn behind those guys and yeah as we've talked about previously the Ravens needed to get younger on the defensive line they needed to get more explosive and be able to offer more of an interior pass rush and I think Travis Jones is going to do that so great pick there another guy who's considered a first round talent and that's just what the Ravens do they pick guys who fall to them and they also are a position of need obviously so Loved what the Ravens did on night two, rounds two and three of the draft. The Ravens, it looks like, round three is about to wrap up. Looks like the Ravens are going to have six fourth-round picks tomorrow. I was thinking they would at least move up for a second, third-rounder tonight, but it seems like that's not going to happen. So tomorrow's going to be really busy. Make sure to stay tuned at RavenUpPod on Twitter. That's where I'm most active, but... Be sure to give us a follow. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss an episode, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to stay subscribed and stay tuned for the coverage for the rest of the draft.